right, good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. Some familiar faces and new faces. Very good to see you, especially here in Melbourne. And this is kind of a inaugural for us to come and be with you all. Um, you know, Dominicans actually feel quite at home in a pub because one uh, St. Dominic's first convert, the first conversion that um, by his preaching was actually in a pub. He stayed up all night long and had conversation with a man. And by the end of the night, the Lord, uh, excuse me, yeah, the Lord worked for sure. But this man came to a deeper knowledge and love of Christ. So we feel at home preaching in a pub. So thanks for the welcome. All right, we're gonna to talk tonight about this thing that, that some people say Acedia, some people say Acadia. But whatever we say, it is a nickname is that it is a the noonday devil or the unnamed evil of our time. Let me just give a context first, and that is that that our whole life is geared toward communion with God and love. Communion with God and communion with one another. So the opposite of that would be selfishness, right? When we put them into categories, every human activity can be characterized by virtue, a good habit leading us towards God, or a vice, a bad habit that leads us away from God. Usually that bad habit is leading us to look within ourselves, right? As opposed to communion with God and others. So that just gives the context of it. All of the virtues, the theological virtues and the cardinal virtues and every good human behavior falls on that. Every conscious bad human behavior, every willed one can fit under these vices that you all know because there's video games and stuff called the seven deadly sins, right? One of those seven deadly sins is the sin, this sin here called sloth. It's called acedia or what we know as sloth. I'm gonna ask you to be attentive because Sometimes we don't identify with certain things because we don't understand the depth of something, right? Now, I'm getting my ideas from two main sources, okay? One is this great book called The Noonday Devil, Acedia or Acadia, The Unnamed Evil of Our Times. And the foreword of this is written by um, Cardinal Mark Ole from Canada. And he's the one who says that this vice right now is ripping through our culture. It's probably why Pope Francis is calling all of us to get off the couch and he keeps calling us to pick ourselves up and not fall into certain complacency. But where to go, we'll go into some of that tonight. The other inspiration of this talk came from your very own graffiti. <laughs> Check this out. On the way into the city, two of these. I'm so bored. These are our these are our young people. If you could write anything, if you could write anything at all, to write I'm so bored, to waste your paint on I'm so bored, or this one is so sad. You could write anything. And you're writing tired. Isn't that a little bit sad? There used to be this impetus, used to be this anger, like <laughs> graffiti all over the place, and there's a nice, like, drive to that at least. But this, that's really scary. That's really sad that it's just our young people, or whoever, maybe this is a 33 year old who wrote that. <laughs> but to waste your pain, okay? Now, most of the time, you and I probably think of this when we think of sloth. 
Okay, so this acedia seems to be a this seems to be a symptom of our age. And isn't it interesting that the at the busiest time when technology drives us into busyness, with so many opportunities and really, really good opportunities, yet so many complain, and we do too, of emptiness, loneliness, sadness. Could we be on to something? But some of you may object. Wait a second, I don't suffer from that vice. Pride, do I, let's do an inventory. Pride, do I suffer from pride? No. Actually, I'm the humblest person I know. <laughs> How about greed? Uh, no, I'm a uni student. I don't even have any money, and so that doesn't work. Avarice, no, I can't be bothered. But sloth, not me. If you think about it, after all, here we are in a pub, Monday night and listening to a sister speak. So I couldn't, I'm so zealous. How could I possibly be falling into this idea of slaw? If this doesn't concern you, take notes, some people taking notes, and share it with a friend. Because I guarantee something, well I don't know, guarantee, gosh that's a big thing. Maybe something that tonight we talk about, if you yourself don't struggle with it, you might have a friend who does. You know it's always a safe way to say things. If you don't struggle with it, might be your friend. <laughs> but I would, I would try to say to you to be attentive that if there's anything this evening that we talk about that causes you to be defensive interiorly, to be attentive to that. Why I say that is the very first conversation I had about this vice about a year and a half ago was with one of my sisters, a dear, dear friend. We start talking about sloth, and inside I'm objecting, 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 going, what, what, what? Nothing, nothing externally, but inside something was unsettling. And so I say that because I think, that I, I believe actually it was the Holy Spirit saying, look at this. Now you might identify with some of these. This lady's face, okay? That is a picture, it's actually known as, it's the cover of this book, but it's actually known as, a, as slaw, okay? Or if you don't identify with that one, maybe it's this one. Now what I would like to see in this picture, and this could be a man, so it's not, that just happens to be two women, but it could be men. What I'd love to see right here is this, okay? Watch this, I'm gonna set this down for a second. That's, this lady's face just flick, flick, flick. Okay, that is a symptom of acedia. So if we've ever felt blah, or I just said that earlier, I can't be bothered, or why did I even start this? Sorry, these are hard questions. Why did I marry him? Why did I marry her? Why did we have these kids? Why am I still in the same job? Why am I studying this? Sounds like these questions, these are questions our society would ask, but when we are honest with ourselves, really honest, perhaps we've asked these questions. Never aloud, but in the secret of our hearts and hopefully in a good confession. Or perhaps it is instead the guilt of not wanting to serve, to pray, 
to take care of another, to listen to another. And we object interiorly, but I'm a good Catholic. Of course, I should want to do these things. Then the guilt drives us to do them, but this is key, there is no love. When love is lacking, there is no virtue. Or it could be the tiredness that not even a good night's sleep can touch. Then you get two good night's sleeps and you're frustrated that you're still tired. I'm simply naming some symptoms of this evil of our times. Bishop Olay refers to acedia as a loss for the relish for life, which paralyzes interior joy. I'm gonna say that again. A loss of the relish for life. And doesn't her face say that? Which paralyzes interior joy. So be attentive because the cause of all of this may not just be physical, but rather spiritual. I mean, heck, if you're staying up only two hours and you're tired, you're, that's a physical. I mean, if you're sleeping only two hours and you're tired, you're smart enough to make that decision. But it's not always a physical problem. It could be something spiritual, namely a temptation or an attack of a spirit of acedia. This is key, so stay with me here. The difference between a temptation or a vice can be tricky to discern. Okay? A temptation can come upon us with nothing. We didn't do a darn thing. Okay? A vice for us is, the, is a habit, a bad habit, a disposition interiorly. But this is tricky to discern because what starts with a suggestion, that's called a temptation, once the will is engaged, I choose it, it may become a vice. The problem is it may become such a habit or a part Oh, excuse me. Such a habit that our freedom to choose is limited. And soon this thing we're doing looks like me. But this is part of my personality. This is who I am. Do you see the slippery slope? There's a desert father. His name is Ovegrius. All of the desert fathers of the West have warned against this noonday devil. What Ovigrius says is he tries to make the distinction, and he actually says, this is interesting, because you could see this in medieval um, theology too, but he, said, he says a wicked thought, in his view, is practically identified with the demon who inspires it. So that wicked thought that we have, Ovigrius, this desert father, is saying, actually, it's a, it is a temptation. So sloth affects each person differently, and each vocation differently, and there are various degrees of seriousness. The slippery thing about this vice is that it affects each of us according to our temperament or our personality. So why is it called the noonday devil? Because often it strikes at the noon time of our life, at the noon time of a project, once we've reached a competence in some area and have settled in it's just the time when the spirit of sloth strikes. It also strikes at a time in our life when we can do the most good. And this is where we can see a bit of a compliment in this spiritual attack. We are about to do a great good and all of a sudden we're like, who cares? Who cares? This fellow Nault, sorry, Father Nault, he 
he gives five principal manifestations of acedia, and I won't go actually through, through all of them. The first one is a certain interior instability. Now, we could see this in our culture. Interior instability. Exaggerated concern for one's health. So every, everything that's needed for our health. Aversion to manual work. Neglect of observing the rule. But this could be, this is for religious, but this could be um, neglect, neglect of one's vocation. Whether you're a student or priest or sister or married, working, whatever. And then the number five, general discouragement. All of these distract us from love. Now what are some of the what are some of the remedies? If you think about it, if the actual temptation is to steal interior joy and the relish for life, then the remedies are surprising actually. The first one is tears. Tears that lead us to conversion. Prayer and work, continue to do what we're being asked to do. Stick at it. This is an important one here. Contradiction, I'll talk about that. <laughs> Sorry about this one. Come to a pub and I'm saying meditate on death. And then, yeah, just remember, because we're, you know, this life is going to be like that. So that puts things in perspective. And then the key one here is perseverance. So acedia or sloth strikes each vocation differently. For a married couple, it might be wandering eyes, eyes that wander to other people. Or any one of us looking for fulfillment outside of one state in life. It could be for a married couple, a lack of openness to life. Or for any of us looking for the next thrill or following the next fad. Doesn't that make sense? That little guy or girl, whoever wrote that I'm so bored, probably they're looking to pick themselves up somehow. So what do we do? First thing we have to name it. Anytime there's any kind of attack, right? Paul talks about that. I do not go into the ring and what does he say? Let me just get it right here. He says, 1 Corinthians, I drive my body and train it for fear that, no, no, that's wrong, sorry. <laughs> Thus, <laughs> oh, it's right after that, okay. Thus I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as, as if I were shadow boxing. We need to know what we're fighting. We're not just in a ring like blindfolded going like this. Okay, we need to actually know what's going on. Discern, ask Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to help us. What is my problem, Lord? What is the obstacle in the way of my union with you and communion with others? What is it, Lord? Through the power of your Holy Spirit, reveal it so you, Jesus, are the only one can take it away. So name it. Christ delivered us through his incarnation. We need to receive, we, by name, need to receive his salvation. Thomas, St. Thomas has this little beautiful story. There's a child who can't get something on, a, on a, um, top of a shelf. Now, we could do one of two things. We could say, okay, here you go, kid. Right? We reach up, we grab it, and give it to the child. Or we say, oh, and we help the little one up. We lift up the little one. The little one reaches up and grabs the thing. Okay? Often that's the way the Lord is working with us that he asks us to cooperate with his grace. You know that phrase, he made us without us, but he, he made us without us, but he won't save us without us. You ever hear that before? 
Now next, we participate with his deliverance. And that shouldn't be scary, it's all through scripture. He, he does miraculous, awesome things with nature. He heals people, he delivers people. This isn't wacky stuff, this is the gospel message. <laughs> through our acceptance of salvation, and also, okay, sorry, I'll say it again. We participate with his deliverance through our acceptance of salvation, but also through the task of self-knowledge, coming to know ourselves. If the evil one pushes us to activity, which is another way this sloth works surprisingly, what is our underlying motive for acting? Why am I doing the things I do? This requires self-knowledge, honest looking within ourselves. Anything less than love is not worthy of us. We are made by love for love. Anything less than that isn't even worthy of us as Christians, as human beings. So for instance, do I do, yada, 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 whatever it is, fill in the blank, for the insatiable desire for approval? When others will say, look how important he is. Or, oh, she's so busy. She must be important. It sounds ridiculous, but we are the only ones fooling ourselves with this. As others look on, and especially as our loved ones look on and say, would you just spend time with me? Forget about all this crazy stuff you're doing. Or acting out of a need for attention, affection, affirmation that don't bring life. Or it may be a boundary issue, or just inability to say no to others, or ourselves feeling guilty for taking time out. All of those are, are things to look at of what are our motives for acting. In this, let's take the advice of St. Paul. Anytime we have a thought, all of our thoughts, let's take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. I have this thought. Okay, let's take it captive in obedience to Christ. Is this, Lord, what you want me to be thinking about? St. Benedict wrote in his rule, when evil thoughts come into one's hearts, dash them against Christ immediately. Another story from the Desert Fathers is the immediacy of dealing with a temptation. They have that great analogy of a camel in a tent. They say as soon as you have a be the beginning of a temptation, kick, it's like a camel come, wanting to come into your tent. Kick the camel's nose or else the whole stinking camel is going to be inside your tent. You don't want that to happen. But at, that means the whole temptation will overtake you. But at the first little nostril that you see trying to come into your tent, are you getting this? Kick it. <laughs> okay. Now, this is what's surprising. Contrary to other fights, okay, in the spiritual life, this one requires rest. This fight requires times to rest with the Lord, to revive our soul. In our busy family work, all of our lives, when do we really get a chance to rest? The kind of rest that rejuvenates. If it is, on the opposite end, that you are not doing anything at all, persevere in love. Do what you can to revive your soul. The easiest one that the Lord has given us is the observance of the Sabbath. Every single week, purposefully, the Lord gives us the Sabbath rest. And that day is whatever it is that rejuvenates our soul. 
And that's an age-old Judeo-Christian custom and, and beautiful gift from the Lord. I'm going to share this little poem with you that talks about this fight. It hides behind the soft, cuddly name of sloth, so that those who run to and fro for the kingdom bulk to be associated with it. It whispers, go, do, complete, finish, and inspires guilt in times of rest. It looks around for the zealous and slowly chips away at their time or perceptions of time. The greater the good, the greater the fight, it hides. Near collapse, the wisdom of another aches in body and soul. Slowly uncover the source, reveal the enemy, and the fight is on. A fight that does not look like others, one of silence, stillness, the contest of endurance, of staying when it says go, of resting when it says work, a fight counter to the thoughts of the world. The pen is mightier than a sword, but silence is mightier than the pen for the kingdom. So while sometimes sloth leads somebody according to their temperament to do nothing and their interior joy is waning away, for others, sloth is driving our society and us to activism, an activity devoid of love. If any of us have been involved in this fight, namely in the battle, damage most has probably been done within ourselves and our relationships with others, with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord. We need to patiently persevere and allow time for our body and soul to catch up with the healing of Jesus and to repair what needs repaired. There is a price we pay for not taking care of ourselves. There's a phrase, I'm not sure if you've ever heard this one before. This is one that like your grandparents might say. God always forgives. Man sometimes forgives. Nature never forgives. This may take time for all of us to develop good habits around what we're learning about ourselves, about discernment, all of these things. But the, the real solution when struggling to remain committed to God's will for your life is for all of us to return to our first love. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. So our call is one of conversion always. And that is simply to have confidence in the mercy and love of God, to ask for his insights if we're struggling with this and to be prudent in the way we're living our lives that we might really have this interior joy. In this Lenten season, we really we walk with our Lord in, um, in what he's done for us and, and beg him to instill within us all of the virtues that we may be more like him. I'm going to, con- going to conclude with this um, prayer that is, I can leave, I made, <laughs> I made 30 copies of my classroom, <laughs> but you can take a picture or whatever. Um, and it's a prayer for fervor because that's what we need when we're fighting this this uh, battle. I'll leave it up here if anybody wants to take a picture or whatever. 
And then I'm, I'm um, happy to answer any questions. This is written by Blessed John Henry Newman. And we'll pray this in conclusion. Breathe on me with that breath which infuses energy and kindles fervor. In asking for fervor, I ask for all that I can need and all that you can give. For it is the crown of all gifts and all virtues. In asking for fervor, I am asking for effectual strength consistency and perseverance. I might change the, the context to we. We are asking for deadness to every human motive and simplicity of intention to please you. We are asking for faith, hope, and charity in their most heavenly exercise. And asking for fervor, we are asking to be rid of the fear of man and the desire of his praise. We are asking for the gift of prayer because it will be so sweet. We are asking for that loyal perception of duty which follows on yearning affection. We are asking for sanctity, peace, and joy all at once. We are asking for fervor. We are asking for the brightness of the cherubim and the fire of the seraphim and the whiteness of all the saints. And asking for fervor, we are asking for that which, while it implies all gifts, is that in which I signally fail. Nothing would be a trouble to me, nothing a difficulty, had I but fervor of soul. Lord, in asking for fervor, we are asking for yourself, for nothing short of you, O oh my God. You have given yourself wholly to us. Enter our hearts substantially and personally and fill us with a fervor by filling it with you. You alone can fill the soul of man. You have promised to do so. You are the living flame and, the, and ever burn with love of man. Enter into our souls and set, our fi set us on fire after your pattern and likeness. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Please put your hands together for Sister Rosie. frustration or lack of contentment, how can that person tell whether the lack of whether frustration that they feel is a temptation to be fought off with the five methods that you mentioned, or whether it's a warning bell that something really is wrong that needs to be fixed? Excellent question and very difficult one. Because it's what you're what you're getting to the crux of is how do we discern something, right? Um, that's why it's important always and to have someone you can talk to and I, I uh, it's a, a um, spiritual direction is good or just a good friend is good you know who you bounce the things off of and you, you try to use um, 
I guess if you think about it, okay, you start on natural, grace builds on nature, right? But we start with just natural. Are you taking regular good care of your health? All those things, taking those off. So just on a physical, just physically, how are we going, okay? And if, yeah, actually I'm getting enough sleep and all of these things, you've gone through your whatever, doctor or whatever, and everything's good to go, but there's still this persistent whatever. In the meantime, you should be still praying, but all, what you want to do is, in discernment, we're separating things out. We're trying to get to, we're trying to get to the core of what's going on, right? So talking to somebody's so external input, and um, following, I guess, principles of discernment, which first on a natural level, and then then also looking at at your activities, thinking about when Jesus um, talks about the fruit, you'll know a tree by its fruit. A healthy and good tree bears good fruit. A sick tree, right, doesn't bear, bears fruit then of, you know, not good fruit. So there's various various ways of um, trying to get to the bottom of it, but it's not an easy solution. Okay? It's not kind of an easy, especially it's good to talk to somebody who knows you. Okay? Because I was thinking about talking to you all that some of you really are just legitimately at a place of, of transition in your life. So that's what also makes it a little bit hard because you're like, oh, sugar, should I stick at what I'm doing? Because that might be, so you have to, when I'm talking about, you also have to discern um, discern some of the things that, that we're talking about tonight. Okay? Oh, that probably didn't help at all. Okay. <laughs> I want to just, um, while I still have this for questions go, maybe this noonday, why it's called noonday, if you think about our own lives at noon, but think about if this idea of noonday devil comes from the desert. The sun is at high noon. You've just eaten like crackers in the morning or whatever. You're getting so drowsy, tired. It's hot as can be. You're sick of doing what you're doing, and bam, comes in the temptation. Okay, so that's why it's called the noonday devil, that, that analogy, okay? Good evening, um, sister. Thank you for your insight and your talk. Amazing. Um, I think uh, this is the same question, but I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> um, sister, situation. I feel that I've hit a plateau in my life. In my spiritual life, my career, my vocation, even. And I've lost that lackluster. Um, and I feel very restless. I'm itchy to do new things or even to try a new vocation. Is this the noonday devil? Or is it God's voice saying, you know, um, you need to move on with your life? Are you purposely putting me on the hot spot? <laughs> These are so hard, so please can everybody just kind of come always with I know how to answer This is the stuff that builds our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the stuff. This is how you come to know when God speaks to you, what does his voice sound like when he speaks to you? Because he speaks to you in a way nobody else does, but he speaks to you in a particular way that you can hear. 
So while we wish we just had, oh, I wish I had the answers, when you look back five years from now, you're actually going to look back and say, wow, check it out, Lord, this is the way you were working in my life. That's awesome. That's how I knew. That's how I knew this scripture passage. Wow, that's when this was going on in my life. You're building your relationship with the Lord. Okay, so that plateau. I was thinking as I was going, moving around too, is um, I kept using the, I kept talking about love because sometimes, you know, Whatever your job is, or whenever we've, if we've made a commitment, let's stop with that, start with that. If we've made a commitment, life commitment, discernment about where to go is over, right? If it's a life commitment, we've made a life commitment. So the call then is always deeper, deeper love, deeper love, deeper love. Okay. So it might be you, you might be in a job that you're like, no, I know God's calling me to this, but I do, I'm a little bit frustrated or whatever. Try to, one little help is try to attach each day a motive to what you're doing, an intention. This day I offer for somebody local, whatever, somebody close to you, somebody far away. So try to attach an intention to your day to give it purpose, to give it meaning, okay? To give it depth, to do it out of love. Now say you're in that flux area that we were talking about. Okay, so life commitments stick at it. Stick at it, there's no question, that's the, that's the deal, right? It's not all of a sudden I'm at a low point, which we hit every vocation. Every vocation we hit low points. Doesn't mean we can't make it, it just is the reality. It doesn't mean we shouldn't commit, because what if? No, we need to make commitments, life commitments. And will you hit bottom? Yeah. But who's going to be there? Jesus Christ, to save you to save you. But if you're in that transition, you have to, there's so many just vehicle, different areas for your own discernment. But I encourage you to meet Jesus in those. He's not just leaving you hanging. But he also flips the question around and says, what do you desire? What is the desire of your heart? What's the desire my father has placed in your heart that's been burning away your whole life? And so, we have to be attentive to that. We're attentive to what is, how is God speaking to me and what has he made me for? And be obedient to it. But come to know him. Come to know him. He's working in your life. Okay? Trust him. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned before about kicking the camel in the nose before the camel gets to the tent. My question then is what, do you have any sort of practical strategies if said camel and the camel's brothers and sisters and all his friends have already entered the tent? Um, yes. What, any, anything? Warning. Come on. Yeah, I think we've all been there, right? We've all been in the tent with a family of camels or something, so. Yes, okay. It's good, um, if this is right, phrase, all, phraseology, that's spiritual hygiene or whatever. Um, firstly, okay, we got a load of camels in our tent. Some of those camels, well, let's just go back to this first, first of all. We know, and we go back to scripture. Scripture and tradition are our guides, right? Lives of the saints, scripture. That's, the camel is the saints, that's that analogy. But the, Jesus Christ himself says it's going to happen, isn't it? When one spirit, when one um, 
spirit is driven out of a, a person's soul, that spirit leaves. My mom always used to tell me this, and it didn't creep me out. It just gave me wisdom as it itsy bits. When one spirit leaves, what does it do, Jesus says? It roams around, comes back to visit, finds the place all tied up, Yahoo, just been a confession, good to go. So what's it do? It goes out and gathers. You all know your scripture. Seven more come back. Bam. So don't be surprised. Like, what the heck have I done? I thought I just was going well. Well, no. Jesus tells us. He gives us the warning so that we'd be smart. Get ready. Be vigilant because that's the way the evil one is going to work. Okay? So say we find ourselves in that situation. We stay close to Jesus in the sacraments. We get ourselves first and foremost to confession. Right? We know what confession does for us. It removes our sins, but it strengthens us in the fight. Be utterly honest in confession. Confess your sins, but also say what you're struggling with. So that you, you're actually, what I like to say is you're calling the devil on his bluff. So when I sometimes go to confession, I say, these are my sins. I confess my sins. And then I say, and Father, I've also been tempted in these ways. And why I like to do that is I'm laying them before Jesus and so that the devil, he's like found out. He's been found out, okay? And then once we've gone to confession, stay close to our Lord, right? Stay close to him in the Eucharist, right? So mass, the word of God, that take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Have a word a day that you actually chew on through the day. A word that means something to you, that has some oomph to it, that speaks right to what you're going through. And all day long, that's your word, right? And so it might be, it might be an aspiration, right? That's the old, that's uh, an old custom and, and tried and true custom. Jesus, I trust in you. Or um, our loving, our loving Father will provide. Whatever it is that you are particularly struggling with, a word that speaks to that, okay? And that will um, strengthen us and make acts of faith. God, I believe you. I believe in you. I believe you are here with me. I believe you love me. I believe you can help me through this. Because our faith needs, like a like this kind of a muscle, our faith needs to be built up. Okay. I don't think there's any more questions. So. Thank you so much, sister, for coming out and talking, taking something that we may not think about too much, this this vice, um, but something that is pretty relevant, I think, for all of us, and something we might struggle with, so it's making us more aware, at least. So thank you so much for taking something complex and making it digestible for all of us. Yes. In this whole talk, I hope that the focus is, the focus, you know, in our spiritual lives, the focus, y'all, is on union with God in love. The focus, even though tonight we're talking about one spirit of a seed, we don't want our whole focus to be on evil. Our focus is actually on God is awesome. He's working our lives. He's giving us every help we need to get to him, every help we need. But he also warns us that this is a bat. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle. So let your focus be more on God and his goodness, truth, goodness, and beauty, and not on, make sure you're not getting a magnifying glass like this, okay? In his good time, he will lead you if you're honest. Just say, come Holy Spirit, help me, lead me to you. If there's anything that's in the way, show me. But he's doing the leading. You tonight, don't go poking around at yourself. Let him lead or the dance 
goes sour. Sound good? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.